Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, <laughs> along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention... (laughs) Along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Well, hello there. This is your host, Frankie Picasso from Frankie Sense and More. That's what you're listening to. And my co-host, Fred Buys here. Say hi, Fred. Hello, hello. Hello, everybody. <laughs> We've got a great show for you today, for sure. We have Mary L. McCarthy. She's with us. And Gabriella Von Ray is with us. And But first, we have to hear some good news from Fred, because we have to have good news. Uh, yeah. This is about the good news show. I think, right, Fred? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> I love. Yeah, I love this piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so today's global goal number ten with reduced inequalities. That's right. Uh-huh. Uh, the title is "Sparkle Effect Gives Students with Disabilities the Opportunity to Cheer." Sarah Kronk started a cheerleader team with 12 girls, both with and without disabilities, at Pleasant Valley High School in 2008. And uh, the, the team has since grown into a nonprofit called The Sparkle Effect. Uh, the girl is now 23 years old, and she grew up watching her brother, Charlie, on the autism, who is on the autism spectrum. He struggled socially, especially when he started high school. Um, but, but when the varsity swim team invited Charlie to sit with them at lunch, Sarah noticed that he suddenly had a safe place to go to every day. And this story deeply impacted her, and when she made a varsity cheer as a freshman, she wanted to find a way for students with disabilities to be able to get involved. And then she, the, the, she started an, an, an inclusive team called The Sparkles, which is the first inclusive high school cheer team of its kind. And she began fundraising through donations, and today there are more than 150 inclusive cheer and dance teams in 30 states and uh you know students with disabilities are now in drama club on on the newspaper staff and participate in choir and you know her goal is really to keep growing and and reach schools everywhere so it's a nice little story there for us i love that i love the diversity i love that you know they're being inclusive and i know that's part of gabby's mandate too um because you know the one leads to the other especially with uh, you know, they could be bullied, but instead they're being included. And, and so that's a really great thing. Um, it's November and every month has, you know, its own particular special uh, date for things, you know. So November, there must be like 20 things that November is. But two of the things that November is, is National Adoption Month, which 
Gabby can talk to you in a little bit. But it's also Life Writing Month. And it seems so appropriate for, for our guest, Mary, because Mary is a best-selling author and the founder and chief inspiration officer for Create Right Now, uh, Journaling Power Center. Now, her unique self-help memoir, Journaling Power, How to Create the Happy, Healthy Life You Want to Live, topped the Amazon charts uh, when it was released just this past September. And in it, Mary reveals how she reversed her MS symptoms through the dynamic power of journal therapy. Uh, she also became a singer. So let's welcome Mary. Say hi. And Gabby, as usual, feel free just to speak up when you feel the need to. <laughs> welcome, Mary. How are you? Thank you very much, Frankie. I'm doing fine. Can you hear me okay? I can hear yeah, you. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. All right. So your life seems to be divided into part one and part two, before MS and after MS. You were like a type A personality, ran a very successful company, uh, and then you got your diagnosis. Would, is that a fair statement? Oh, definitely. Yes. Okay. Uh, so tell us about what you did before your diagnosis. Excuse me. Um, I ran a management consulting firm. Uh, I worked with manufacturing companies, Fortune 1000 companies, and uh, they were located in really exciting garden spots like uh, Trona, California and El Dorado, Arkansas. Uh, so I, uh, and what we did was uh, my company helped organizations use the people, use our human resources, if you will, to move the bottom line. Uh, historically, uh, most business people are you know, very involved with uh, money, 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 but they right. don't normally see the relationship that if you train people, if you support people, if you uh, uh, redesign their work or you get them participating in the process, you come up with all kinds of money-saving, wonderful ideas. So that's what I, I did. And I spent my whole life probably for about 20 years um, on an airplane every Sunday night and every uh, Friday night. So, um, and wow. then, yeah, so, um, but then it's, it's like, uh, when I got the, the diagnosis, it was like, Oh, thank goodness. It's time for me to get off the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you really transformed your life. I mean, it couldn't have been easy being, you know, a go-getter, go, go, go. And then here you are now, uh, actually becoming more reflective, definitely more reflective. Um, and you started to, to journal and through your journaling, you know, realized that, you know, things were transforming and changing for you uh, to the point where after 12 years of taking medication, you actually were able to stop taking your medication, saved yourself like $100,000 by doing that um, and really yeah, reversed wow. a lot of your symptoms. That's pretty incredible. Uh, it says a lot for the power of writing. So tell us, tell us a little bit about how you figured all that out? Um, it's, a, it's very, I think uh, everything is synchronistic. Uh, uh, during the, the uh, process, probably four or five years into the, after my diagnosis, I lost uh, feeling on the right side of my body. So I had to teach myself how to write with my left hand because, you know, being the, the left brain uh, go get them career woman, even though sure. I, I was off the road, I had to have a procedure. So, uh, again, synchronistically, I ran into a, a young lady who, uh, whose sister was a, uh, an, a novelist and swore by The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Mm. And in this, in I love a, that. Uh, have you heard of it? Yeah. Oh, I read the whole thing, like, I think three or four times. And I, there, my book is so underlined that it's, 
it's not usual. <laughs> Absolutely. Dog eared. Yeah. And um, like I said, and that's where I found out about morning pages. So I thought, oh, that sounds really, uh, you know, easy. Like I said, a good procedure and very easy to do. And no, no, pardon the pun, no brainer uh, first thing in the morning. And so I just started it in the process. And I mean, it, it became a really spiritual, mystical, do 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 experience. I started having all kinds of memories from childhood. I started uh, hearing rhymes and starting writing poetry. I'd never written poetry before. Um, and I became left-handed very quickly because in the process, I remembered that in the early stages of Catholic grade school, I was left-handed and the nuns changed me. Mm. Yeah, it's typical. I have a question because in the beginning you said uh, you were a go-getter and then you went, you got a diagnosis and it was like, oh, it's a, re it's almost like it sounded like it was a relief on some level. Oh, it definitely was. It was. Uh, How so? Explain, explain us. Explain um, it was, like I said, to, to me, I just really, um, my, my, I was just completely run down. And I, at, at that point, from a personal level. I had no clue who I was. I was just so much into you know, running, 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 wanting to see the world, wanting to all that, make money and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's just like, oh, well, I guess to it, but part of the thing when I got the, the diagnosis, the, my biggest concern was that I had an inoperable brain tumor because I was mm -hmm. banging into walls and doing all, you know, all, all kinds of crazy stuff. That's scary, yeah. It, it was, so, but like I said, it was uh, relief. Uh, mm -hmm. Once uh, he, you go, oh, it's just MS. It's not a brain tumor. Th that's exactly my reaction. It's just, <laughs> right. Oh my goodness! It's like, oh, okay, I, I know about it. it. You know, I've done MS walks. Da da da. All the so I was like, yeah. yeah like I said, the, it, once my biggest concern was like, oh my. I thought, you know, uh, I thought th this is. I knew it was a wake up call. Uh, yeah. But like I said, uh, so I thought, oh, okay, so I can I can deal with it. And it's like, plus the fact that there were no known drugs uh, for it and no known, um, uh, you know, it didn't, it didn't require surgery. So I, I was really relieved on, on that. So it's Mary, just, can you uh, tell the folks, you know, what MS is like, like for, for everybody, you know, not just for you specifically, but you know, what people could expect if they had a diagnosis with MS, what, what would their bodies do or feel like? Um, it, it's really ca called and known as the designer disease. Uh, okay. It really uh, operates completely differently in every single person. Okay. Uh, right. I'm like oh, my wow. my my brother had it, um, and oh. uh, he had uh, which it, it, yes, it's it, they're finding more and more there's there's a genetic marker in uh, that some people have that so it's it's not unusual to hear that a daughter was uh, diagnosed and then. You know, a few years later, a mother was diagnosed. So it's uh, so there is the, uh, some type of you know genetic familial uh, aspect right. to it. Uh, yeah, does it show up at a certain age usually? Uh, historically, it has been um, like postpartum, like uh, oh, okay. when late late twenties, early thirties. But now they're finding now that there there are kids. There are seniors, you know, like well into the 70s and 80s. So it's it's become a very, uh, you know, like I said, it's an autoimmune uh, disease. So it's just, sure. uh, and so I think they've just gotten uh, better with our diagnostic uh, things and just really finding finding out. So like I said, it's, it's historically, because like my eye doctor told me when um, I, I was soon after diagnosed, because I was I was just 40, and he said, "Oh, Mary, you're too old to have MS." So, but it's like oh. now. 
but now, like I said, now they've done article and they're like, uh, um, teenagers, children. And like I said, uh, uh, older people, cause I had a, uh, my mailman told me about, uh, his aunt who was, uh, just diagnosed. She was in a, a nursing home and she's in her early eighties. So, Oh, wow. 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 We're going to go to a commercial break in just a minute. Um, but I, I just want to say that Mary has sent me, you know, her book and some of the writing materials for the journals. And for anybody who is interested in that, I highly recommend, uh, you know, her materials are fantastic. So we're going to um, tell people your, your quickly, if you can, Mary, your um, web address. They can Sorry. check it out during our commercial. It's createwritenow.com. So write with a... W as in writing. Great. Correct. So create right now.com. Go there, check it out during our break. We're going to go to commercial. We're going to come right back with Gabby and Mary and Fred and I. Talk to you in a minute. We'll be right back after we pay the bills. It's marching Thompson, co-founder of the Save the Elephant Foundation, was taking a rescued elephant named Kam La for a walk along the river. As they were walking, Derek decided to stop and take a dip in the water. But when he called to Kam La, who was waiting on the shore, the elephant thought he was in trouble and came running to his rescue. Kam La charged through the water, sheltering him with her body and offering her trunk for him to hold on to. What's another word for a trained elephant? A kunki. Elephant trainers in Asia are known as mahouts. And the padded seat or saddle used to ride on an elephant is called a howda. Kamla and her mother, Bai Tway, are among the 70 elephants the foundation has rescued since its inception. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Many men and women drink diet sodas almost on a daily basis because they have zero calories and are thought to be harmless. But the truth is, they are not harmless. The University of Texas found that people who consume just three diet sodas per week were more than 40% more likely to be obese. The artificial sweeteners that are in diet sodas lead to hard to control food urges later in the day. Another study by Purdue found that rats who were fed artificial sweeteners prior to mealtime took in more calories. Every once in a while, drinking a diet soda is fine, but if you're having them on a regular and even daily basis, it's time to switch to water or green tea. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. We're coming back now. Now, here we go. And we are back. Uh, that was very quiet coming back. I don't know why. Something seems to be up with our system today. Uh, very low for me anyway. Maybe it's me. I don't know. But <laughs> Gabriella Von Ray, she's back. She is our own ball of sunshine. And you might remember that Gabriella visited us just before her Dare to be Kind tour in October. She is a global activist for kindness. She traveled through the U.S. during October speaking to young people in schools about her anti-bullying mandate. Now, Gabriella says that as a race, we humans have Drop the ball on kindness, and she wants each and every one of us to pick it up and give it a whirl. 
Welcome back, Gabriella. Thank you, and thank you for inviting me again. I, oh, I enjoyed, our pleasure. I enjoyed the Dare to be Kind campaign. It depends who you ask. My manager, Bobby, is still exhausted. <laughs> I, I, I loved it. I, I jokingly say sometimes to her, it was like a vacation, and she goes, oh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how many how many schools did you get to visit? Do you about? Um, how many schools, Bobby? Five, five, five times that we were at school, so less than you would want. But yeah, it was kind of amazing that people were so receptive. The momentum started quite quickly. Now, nice. one of the things, and I told Fred this, we were drowned out a little bit by the election. Yeah. um, Meaning, uh, normally I get an enormous amount of TV during a campaign. Uh, Small stations, big stations, big networks, and this time it was really hard. But believe it or not, Univision started picking up the ball by the time we were in San Antonio, which was really awesome. Scary for me because I had to revert to Spanish, which is my. Oh, wow. Still learning it, so but I did it, and by the time we were in Houston, uh, I visited a school. I also donated the books, the children's books, to mm-hmm. library mm-hmm. in schools. And then, as you know, Frankie, my humor is a bit warped. I <laughs> a lot of people with kindness with our kindness slap bands. So oh, okay. I could find a teacher or some. Some willing human being that wanted to listen to our spiel and that would let them be interviewed. You know, not everyone is comfortable with being interviewed. And so every time there was a person that said, yeah, sure, I'll talk. Um, I said, okay, you're going to go on audio here and I'm going to slap you with kindness and can we put video on? And they said, why would you slap someone with kindness? And then I said, because... I want you to remember, I want you to remember <laughs> the huge impact kindness yeah. has for the um, uh, life as the receiver. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, hey, hey, uh, Gabriella, on your on your blog, you write that you went to Verizon, and uh, the manager called the corporate office uh, to see if you could give donate if they could donate forty gigabytes for the next four months, and you said you would come back to us. You would, you would, uh, you know, uh, did did it accept? Did it work out? No, or did you get an answer? <laughs> corporate office did not answer, but you know what? It was really neat that he at least tried. Because yeah. one of our biggest issues, believe it or not, we use like 70 gigabytes. And the reason for that is all the video uploading on a Dropbox. Yes. It's not just creating the videos. You've got to upload them for the team to then be able, you know, even all those little segments of 30 seconds, it takes yeah. so much time. Do you know that we're still busy editing little video clips? It will be literally for the whole month of November still going up. Wow. Did, so were there any big surprises on the road? Did, did, did you hear something or find something that you hadn't heard before? No. What I was most uh, gladly surprised at, at is that so many radio stations, podcasts, blog talk radio people just literally stepped it up. They found out about me through Twitter 
or Instagram or LinkedIn. Those were the three real big uh, social media venues, much more than Facebook. And nice. people really started connecting, like private messaging and saying, we need your email, we want to hear more. So that I thought was really kind. Um, I had another Canadian show up in Toronto. And one of the things that I saw on it is that they really want it. People want the kindness. The one of yeah. the things that stood out, maybe that's what stood out the most, Frankie, is that people are not willing to be the instigator. And I told them the instigator is, is positive. Stop mm-hmm. thinking of it as negative. So, for example, I'm going to take Mary, your other guest. If Mary mm-hmm. doesn't stop, then we don't learn from the wealth of knowledge that Mary has. So thank you, Mary, for speaking up about your journey, about MS, about learning to write with your left hand. Because if you don't share this, then the people that are alone, that can't be instigators, they they are sitting there at home thinking, how do I get out of this? And Mm -hmm. she shares, because she's an instigator, of bringing her knowledge through you, Frankie and Fred, to... The rest of the world, I think that's awesome. See, that's all I'm asking people to do. And right. people said, I, I, I don't dare to be the first one to say hello. And I no. said, you know, the fun part in, 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 I live in a building here in Hollywood in L.A., and um, everyone was so nice on the trip. And then you go back into a building like this, and nobody looks at you, and everyone just moves by. They're too fast-paced, and... But I continue to say, hey, hi, how was your day? And yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Irritated. You are. You're so fun. You're so fun. So this is this is this is also National Adoption Month, and I know that you you know you were adopted um, from your native Pakistan um, yeah. by a Dutch couple. Yeah. Took you to the Netherlands, and and you ended up in America. Um, yeah. So what does it mean to you, National Adoption Month? What do you want to tell people? I'm, I'm uh, going to be really bold here with yep. a lot of uh, naked, uh, bare chest thing, if that's okay. <laughs> Gabrielle is, is one of our authors, and I bared my chest. She's our latest author, and I bared my chest campaign, so I'm really excited. Okay, give us your bold. Give us your brave. Okay. Adoption comes with a price. It really uh-huh. does. Why would the West? I'm just going to throw out the question is why would the West consider that living in poverty within your own culture is something to be ashamed of? And I, I just want to leave that hanging. Okay. Well, I think I, I can't let you, I can't let you leave that hanging for a minute because I need to ask a question. So her, her, her question was, why does the West feel that, a, you know, an adoption from somebody in their own country is something to be ashamed of? No, 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 it's opposite, opposite. So one of the questions that I hear nonstop since I brought out my first book called With All My Might, the hosts of TV shows or radio shows have asked me the question, actually they've told me that I am so lucky to be adopted. And I said, Mm -hmm. and what is so wrong with living in poverty in your native country? Mm -hmm. What is wrong with that picture? Why is it that the West, thinks that's not okay. And I'm thinking, as an answer, adoption does come with a price because you take away 
everything from that human being. You have stripped them from anything and everything they've ever known. Don't forget, I was three. I was mm-hmm. not a baby that popped out and was taken and don't know any better. I did live in a culture for three years, uh, both Pakistani and uh, European, because the orphanage was European. And what is the first thing I had to do, Frankie? The first thing I had to do was confirm. They didn't right. take in that 10-day-old baby. No, they said, we're going to baptize you immediately, and we're going to strip you of your name. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. I'm just asking why. All mm-hmm. I'm saying is mm. why, why the hand that supposedly feeds you, the hand that says, I love you, then instantly said, but. There is a yes. however behind, I love you, I'm going to take care of you. That's the question I'm asking. I hear yeah, that's you. a good and, question. And, and I you never, had I never a heard very that, negative but. experience, and it's really unfortunate. But can I play devil's advocate? Yeah, please go for it. <laughs> Have you uh, the children that were in the orphanage with you that did not get adopted? Where are they today? I do not know, but I I do know that through social media, I met one person that is the daughter of a father who was there, mm-hmm. and she said he was quite happy. Okay. See, I, I think okay. the, the problem is not happiness. The problem is that we think there's something wrong with poverty. And I think there's something wrong with moral poverty. Yes, poverty I agree with you there. Money. Absolutely. It's moral poverty. People say to me, oh, you are so lucky, Gabriella. And the answer is yes and no. And no. And not because my family worked out or didn't work out. That is actually not the point. I'm Mm -hmm. very grateful for the education, but Mm -hmm. I feel that we need to discuss in today's world, are you adopting because you have an incredible need, or are you adopting because you have truly want to put a child first? Mm -hmm. My answer is Mm. that's not the case. That's true. That's where my problem lies. If it is for you, that you are going to do a great thing, don't do it. Don't do it. Because you know what? At a certain point, your needs are met, and then come the hard part. A, a, a kid is, is as difficult to adopt as it is to adopt a pet. It's for mm-hmm. life. Yeah, and, and longer life than a pet. Yeah, in a longer life. We're going to go commercial break in in less than, I don't know, 30 seconds, maybe. Uh, You are very provocative as usual, and you throw out some very interesting thoughts that people, you know, should be thinking about. Absolutely. You know, are you adopting for you or are you adopting for the child? Where are your motives? What is your morality, you know, your moral temperature? And, you know, thinking about who this kid is and who they're going to grow up to be um, is definitely you know, part and and you know what, Gabby, I think you're right. There's nothing wrong with being poor, but I think that the struggle, the struggle is not necessarily the child. The struggle is the orphanage. I think they work so hard to try to find money and and, and give kids love. But we're going to commercial, and when we come back, we're going to talk to both ladies. <laughs> You'll have your chance. You'll have your chance. We're coming back. Frankie says and more. I am your host, Frankie Picasso. Fred Bay is my co-host. We're speaking to Gabriella Von Ray and Mary Al McCarthy. Be right back. We'll be back. Oh, we're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. 
It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Many men and women drink diet sodas almost on a daily basis because they have zero calories and are thought to be harmless. But the truth is, they are not harmless. The University of Texas found that people who consumed just three diet sodas per week were more than 40% more likely to be obese. The artificial sweeteners that are in diet sodas lead to hard-to-control food urges later in the day. Another study by Purdue found that rats who were fed artificial sweeteners prior to mealtime took in more calories. Every once in a while, drinking a diet soda is fine, but if you're having them on a regular and even daily basis, it's time to switch to water or green tea. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. The League of Women Voters reminds you that on Election Day, we are all equal. Please join your friends and neighbors by registering to vote and going to the polls November 8th. Visit www.vote411.org to find out who will be on your ballot and how the voting process works in your community. This election is about our future, and we all need to weigh in. And we're back. Thanks for sticking around and listening to Frankie's Then Some More. We're happy that you're here. Uh, I want to go back to Mary McCarthy for a moment because in her daily journaling, Mary says that we can reduce stress and physical pain. We can overcome illness and heal emotional wounds. We can resolve inner conflicts and improve relationships. And we can gain a deeper understanding of our true authentic self. Uh, conquer our limiting beliefs and fears that hold us back. And that's that's very important. That's a big that's a big statement, a bunch of big statements to make, uh, and important statements as well, because so many of us really in this world, all we want to know is what is our purpose. And yeah. with so much noise around us, it's very difficult to hear. So the journaling allows that to come through. Is that correct, yeah. Mary? Oh, definitely. Uh, like I said, the journaling is is you time, me time, is is taking time to just get back to center to find out who we are, or as I like to say, who lives in our body. It's just like we're just so uh, trained and ingrained and reinforced by society and you know the, everything on the outside to uh, to take care of the rest of the world, to do this, to strive that. And it's like journaling and enables us to sit down and find out who we really are and find out. Uh, get clear out all the the clutter and crap that we've been carrying around with us since our childhood. You know, when we're we're little kids, we're we're just uh, sponges and we soak in everything, and we think we're responsible for you know mommy and daddy fighting, da da da, all that kind of stuff. And we we carry those things around uh, mm-hmm. with us till we you know, grow up. But journaling enables us to sit down and really take a look at uh, you know what what happened and really understand. You know, the whole how that affected us, and that's how it it, it really affects uh, our us physically, helps us physically as far as reducing the stress because it helps the journaling helps us to understand what really happened, who we really are, and and really realize that we are more powerful, more 
uh, intelligent, more talented than we ever imagined. But it's just uh, journaling affords us the opportunity to really uh, cut, turn turn off the TV, turn off the, the noise and all the kind of stuff, and really tune into ourselves. Though it's, it's very scary because it's something that's completely different than, uh, for us to do. And, it's, and the biggest uh, challenge in doing the journaling is the fear because we think we're this and we think we can't do this. We think of it. And it's just uh, journaling provides the opportunity for us to return into our, our body, our heart and soul and really realize who we really are. Mm-hmm. I have a about- question. Go ahead, friend. Yeah, I, I have, you know, I, I have a yes, question. Yes, Gabby, you have a question too? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question Go ahead, for Mary. Gabby. Okay. Um, my question, Mary, um, I work with a lot of young tweens and teens, and I advise them that. But tell me how I can guide them a little bit better because they often have a very humiliating trauma that either happened at school or at home that they they have a really hard time to talk about and i think journaling is really helpful but how can i do you have any advice for me to help them to really do it um i guess the the the, one of the thoughts i have is is to just uh have them uh treat themselves to a journal uh and you find something that and and let them know that this is an opportunity for them to explore their their thoughts, their feelings, their their emotions, it's it's a it's a gift to themselves, and that, that's something that you know as we uh, we growing up as teenagers, you know, it's just like there's just so much other stuff going on. So I think the the best thing, uh, or one of the, the thoughts I have is just to to uh, um, help uh, teenagers, you know, pick out a. A journal and, and to, to really just have a lot some time each day just for connecting with themselves and just being with themselves and just you know closing the door and and all that type of and, and get used to you know finding out who they are as opposed to you know uh, them living with you know and and, and being able to uh, deal with the you know the hormones the the issues and everything and and really it's it's a real it's a tool for for them to. Uh, to help them uh, understand what's going on, because yeah, as we all know, teenagers, a teenage life is unbelievable. So yeah. it's amazing we all su- survive. So you say pick out a really nice journal that a, that in a nice pen that they like that right. appeals to them. Yeah, and and just and get them used to it. it's like you know, focus on them, and and it's okay to you know, and then and. And, and then tell them, you know, then it's as far as the journal is, it's for them. They can do anything they want. If they want to just doodle, they want to draw, they want, it's it's what whatever they, they want and, and just getting into the thing and just, or if they just want to, you know, yell and scream or, you know, get yeah. rid of all their garbage or whatever, that's, that's fine too. And, and just, I think just the, the, go ahead. And, and Mary, uh, do, do, you, do you think they should tell their parents because they often tell me that they're worried that they would read it? Do you, do you uh, no, uh, no I, 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 I highly recommend that they, they don't. It, it really, let me just back up. It, it depends on the relationship they have with their, uh, their parents. Uh, a, a couple of my clients, uh, they, there's a mother and daughter, they, you know, they, they keep their own journals, but they, they talk about it and, you know, and, and but they respect their own uh, privacy. So it's, it, it okay. really is a, an individual situation based on that, but it's just like it, it, it by focusing on this for them, it's just, uh, uh, 
I think this it's it's really my instinct says no, don't tell the parent. Let them just write yeah. whatever they want to write. <laughs> they want to swear, swear. You know? well, it's, exactly. Like, so that's why it depends on some. It's a di- there's a lot of different relationships with uh, parents and children. But it's like, you know, I think, too, just uh, from my own perspective, if I had had that, it was just it would just be, you know, it's like, OK, I'm, I'm going to go up to my room and I'm going to do this for me. And just really, you know, yeah. So I think that. Uh, uh, Ask your question, Fred. Um, yeah, I, 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 I am, you know. You went from being diagnosed, and 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 now the right side of your body is now sunny, seventy-five percent functional, and you no longer take prescription or over-the-counter medications. Talk to us about that process, because I know a few people who have multiple scler- sclerosis, and I mean that that's almost like miraculous, almost. <laughs> yeah. You know uh, I, what happened? Uh, tell us about the, that process. Um. Well, I was. Excuse me. Following the, you know, the the good, dutiful uh, patient, and uh, they they came out with these new drugs, and um, I had a nurse that came to give me a, a weekly shot, and uh, once uh, one week she came, uh, and uh, or didn't come. Excuse me. Uh, and by that time, I'd been journaling for I don't know four or five years or whatever, and I was just really beginning to more and more trust myself and understand myself and. Uh, and the good thing was when she didn't come, I didn't get deathly sick for two days after because I, when I was on this drug, I would, mm. I would get, I would be sick for two days after like having, getting the flu and I had to take all this, you know, over the counter uh. stuff to before. And it's like, well, wait a minute, I'm going to give this a shot. You know, I, pardon the pun. Yeah. Or not have uh, a shot. <laughs> and, and just, uh, and, and so, and it's like, Hey, I'm going to. I'm going to take this on my, myself. I said, and I called up my doctor and said, I'm out of here. <laughs> this is, you know, I, I feel so good not having the shot. I'm going to see where this, where this goes. Yeah. And it's just, uh, and the, the thing is, um, you know, it, it's still was a challenge and all that kind of stuff. But I, like I said, I had gotten enough um, experience and trust in my journal. There's just like, it's such a wonderful tool. I just, you know, pour out everything and just really realize how much we're just so, again so programmed and uh, trained that oh you know the doctors have everything and you have to go to the doctor da, 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 all this kind of stuff. Well, you know, in doing the the research and the understanding uh, about it, the, these are only disease mod- modifying or modulating type thing. There, there's not a cure, so it's like you know why was that? and some people take a, uh, take a daily shot all this kind of stuff. So it's just uh, like I said, it became really. You know, he was. It was a challenge, and all that stuff. But like I said, I just felt so much better not being on it. I just said, "I'm, I'm out of here." And then I just, uh, again, going back to the the journaling. There's, uh, it's like when I I needed to hear something, I did. I just one day came across a a, a scientist in um, in Canada who was uh, treating his son who had MS. Uh, by he had identified that there are a whole slew of Things like gluten, dairy, uh, soy, and things like that. That um, when when you eat uh, eat them, it's it, uh, your body uh, uh, reacts and all, all that type of stuff. So he he had uh, you know removed, changed his son's uh, diet and and really it's, the symptoms and everything settled down. So um, so I I went in fact it's about it's uh, eight years uh, this month uh, that I started easing myself into. That type of you know, getting off the gluten one week, 
mm-hmm. uh, one mm. week up the dairy. You know, like I said, not, go, not going uh, cold turkey just because it, it is a big, yeah, big, it's a big process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I, I recognized reading reading uh, the book? Uh, I'm a hypnotherapist. And so as I read your book and you were talking about how you journaled and, and you spoke to your hand and you spoke to your hip, in, in hypnosis, it's called parts therapy, where we actually ask the client, in hypnosis to speak to those different body parts that are giving them trouble because it's not necessarily, you know, as you found out, it's not the physical symptom. It, there could be an underlying emotional symptom that goes with that. And in your case with your hip, it wasn't just your hip. It, there was an emotion from childhood that, that attached itself to that hip. And so you release that. Oh, definitely. So that, that is, I can totally see how, how this journaling you know, would bring the emotion, releasing, you know, those, those uh, memories as, as you uh, go through your body and listen and talk to those different parts. Mm-hmm. So very interesting. Uh, the other thing that the biggest, I think, takeaway was uh, controlling your inner critic, because for everyone who meditates, who does anything that's introspective, it's that inner critic that stops us you know, tells us that we're not good enough for this and, and you'll never amount to that. And you became a singer and we are going to play your song. We're going to go to break in two minutes, but we are going to um, play one of your songs. You singing one of your songs when we come back just to show people how you, you know, before MS, you would never have done that. Oh, and through journaling, you were able to tell yourself, uh, find kindness and love for yourself enough to say, yeah, I'm going to do this. Oh, yes. And like I said, and that goes back to what you were saying about uh, the, the body parts. It sounds like we, we keep everything, all the memories, all the emotions in, in the cells of our, our body. And it's like once, once I did the journaling and got through it, it's like, oh, my goodness. I remember that I, I always wanted to be a singer. And it's just, yeah, like I said, and then I had the, the, the courage and it's like, OK, let's do it. So like I said, yeah, it's, it's just an amazing tool. That's awesome. Right, right. I love these Gabriella, stories. I would highly recommend you you encourage those kids to write all of their fears, all of the hurt, all of the pain, everything, everything a parent or somebody said negative to them into that journal and tell them when that inner critic goes, yeah, you're like that. Say, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Just mm-hmm. keep, you yeah. know, that's not me. I'm not that. That's not it. We are going to a commercial break. We are going to come back. Stick around. You're going to hear Mary sing. That's going to be exciting. And I know Gabby has some more stories to tell us, and so does Fred. So don't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> don't drop that ball of kindness. Pick it up. Come on. You can do it. Yep. Bounce, bounce, bounce. <laughs> I also want to know if there's a difference between morning notes and night notes or morning journal, morning pages and night notes. Morning pages. When we come back. Here we go. Heck no. We're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. found yourself on an airplane seated next to a non-stop talker that you really don't have anything at all in common with? When I fly, I usually want to catch up on my reading and not have to listen to an explatterator. It's even worse if they're a philodox. That's a person who just loves their own opinion. Well, now a Facebook app lets you choose your own seatmate before you fly. According to an article in USA Today, social media startups are bringing together compatible flyers before they take their seats. That's good news for people lovers, otherwise known as philodemics. 
A number of apps such as Plainly and Satisfy are helping travelers meet not only online, but in person. Think the Match.com of travel. I love flying and have been to almost as many places as my luggage. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. At any given time, millions of Americans are on a diet and on a quest to lose weight. Discovery Health says that the only way to lose fat is to consume fewer calories per day than your body needs. For every 3,500 calories that your body takes from its fat reserves, you lose one pound. You can create that deficit by monitoring and restricting your intake of calories alone. But I believe that the best approach is to exercise and cut back on your calories. By upping your daily exercise and scaling back on your consumption of calories, you are giving yourself a healthy balance that will pay off great dividends. So be sure to add daily exercise to your quest to lose weight. Health, well-being, and a slim body awaits you. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. And we're back. You're listening to Frankie Sense and More. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. I'm here with my co-host, Fred Bai, and Mary Al McCarthy, as well as Gabriella Von Ray. She's here, too. Um, one of the things that Mary did for herself through her journaling was find something that you know she went back to something that she really loved to do and that was to sing and off offline we were just talking about how that singing uh, really helped with her breathing because of the ms and so now she can get a breath and she actually said she has a five octave range which is pretty impressive i think so we're going to cue up her song uh karina you're going to play it make me feel your love I go crawling down the avenue 
Mary, good job. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Good job. Who, who accompanied you? Um, I've been working with a, a fantastic guy for uh, about the last 10 years. Uh, he's a uh, you know consummate musician, uh, and he, he does all the, his uh, strength and love is arranging and doing all that. So he got all, all the top musicians that he, uh, he knew of to do all the, uh, uh, the musical work on it. Nice. 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 Wow. Good job. Tackling Adele is a big job. <laughs> I'm sorry? I said tackling Adele is a big job. Good for you. <laughs> Gabby, nice. what's what's on your agenda this month? What is come what's, what are we gonna look forward to? Well, I am going to it's actually harder than you think to find adoption agencies. Oh. They're, they're they're less and less and less because everyone goes to foreign countries. Uh, I reach out to adoptees that might want sock, just simply mm-hmm. sock. And I would like to reach out to uh, foster care and maybe speak to a couple of uh, adoptee org- organizations, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. for the children. I think at the moment I'd like to uh, publicly speak to the parents because that's where I could guide the most. And um, with the kids, I just like to do the one-on-ones very, very much. And I have a big speaking engagement in Santa Barbara. With, yes, you uh, do. Women, yeah, Women Economic Forum, it's called. Yay. It's the 11th, 12th, 13th, and 14th. Four days. That's exciting. And so it's women from all over the world. And we are talking how we can make the world a better place. Mm. Yeah, awesome. and I'm supposed to I'm supposed to speak with them in India in May. I'm pretty excited about that. Hoping it all works out. Yeah, I'm supposed to. I'm on their advisory council. Yeah. Are, are you going with Mora? Because she's going too. Uh, she's going, yeah. And and Alex, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. I know. So you're that's are you great. Going to the Netherlands too? Uh, no. No, not to the Netherlands. I, I'm May is kind of iffy because my daughter's wedding's coming up like in June, so it's like, oh my god, big trip, you know, big wedding. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, it's interesting, uh, Gabrielle, because on your blog is you talk about women and in, in, in you know being too kind, being sometimes they feel guilty for. Uh, and I, I, I paraphrase it, you know, I hope I, but you know, you speak about women sometimes they feel almost guilty for not thinking more about themselves, right? Yes, I, I think that's our education, too. I was brought up as a Catholic, so we did for others instead yeah. of doing for Definitely. ourselves. And I think that is a big shift inside 
just like Mary is talking about. You, you, you have to let go. I, 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 I always like saying, you know, the truth is, that I, I compare drivers. When, when you have a driver that has their foot more on the brake pedal, when you want to go from A to B, you, you press the gas pedal. And everyone knows that that drives a car. But we don't do it with our lives. We don't press mm -hmm. on the gas pedal. See, because right. that we end up not doing it because it's so scary to let go. It's so scary to go on a campaign with not knowing what the results are. But you know what? The results are always whatever it is that you want to make it to be. Because mm. it ended up being fine and great. And, and by the way, talk about music. We have a theme song. Oh. Yeah. From, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that. What is it? There, there's a Dare to Be Kind theme song, and I'll Twitter it to you later. Mm. Okay. All right. And that Looking was, forward to that it. Was, that was the biggest, oh, my God, I was so honored. Frankie and Fred. Mary, it's <laughs> music is amazing, Mary. I mean, wow, I couldn't sing a note. I'm allowed to sing in the shower, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you're too. singing the theme song? No, no, no. Oh, my goodness, no. <laughs> oh, my God, nobody would want to do that. <laughs> Don Lawson is the lyric songwriter, the musician, the... The voice, everything. He did everything out of the blue. He found the campaign, had been following me on Twitter, and then he did take all my lyrics. So I thought oh, I was really, really, he used the words, every word that I have, and then turned it into magic. Nice. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's, what what a, uh, a gift, really. That's fantastic. That yeah, that's an honor. It's like, wow. <laughs> So we, we that that's my highlight for me. But the other highlight is of course the kids. Yeah. Just His name is, the singer's name is Don Lawson, right? Yes, if you do yeah. app, uh, the app sign Don Lawson L A W S O N music. That's his Twitter handle. I, I sent him a request to be on my on my show. Nice. <laughs> I want him on my show. And Gabriella's website, Gabriella.global, if you want to check her out. Gabriella.global, go there and you can see all the wonderful things that she's doing there too. You know, I, 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 one of the things I tell you, I had a, um, a, a child who lived with us. She was a foster kid, um, had a really bad foster parent. She, she lived down the street from us. She was a friend of my daughter's. And so I took her in. And then Children's Aid came and said, um, well, you know, you can't have her. We're going to take her. And then they said, no, why don't you keep her? Because we don't have anywhere for her to go. And, they, and this red tape bullshit, you know, that went around. All you want to do is look after this child, make sure they're safe. Mm -hmm. And all they cared about was all the red tape. You know, yeah. it, it, it was so frustrating. And I, they go, well, we can't pay you. I go, I didn't ask you for money. But, you know, now you're asking me to take a kid uh, to live with me. I was a single mom at the time. I had three kids. Uh, I had another one living with us and this child. And, you know, your organization gets money. They don't – and you don't – I'm not looking for money to look after this child, but I am feeding a child. Uh, and there is, and you're paying a foster parent, but now you, you don't want to pay me, and it's red tape. And I didn't care. But the whole thing was just so ridiculous in my head. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. and, they go, and then they wanted you to take her indefinitely. Yeah. But they could come and take her tomorrow, too. It's stupid. Yeah. It's an unorganized yeah. organization that we have yeah. to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. They're not thinking. They're not putting the welfare of the child first. No, they're not. Yeah. 
Not at all. Well, we don't think of kindness in communities anymore. The body yeah. system. At that moment, you stepped it up to be the difference in someone's life. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And all that right. matters, that, that, that the state keeps an eye on it and says, hey, Frankie, do you need anything? Child doing good? Great. Next. You know, she went to private school. She went to a Catholic school. She needed uniforms. I said, I can't afford her uniforms. You're going to have to pay for her uniforms. Like, I couldn't afford that. I was a single mom. And, you know, they go, okay, well, we'll pay for her uniform. I go, that's good. Thanks. You know, because she's still your ward. She's not mine, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And I would have preferred that they just give her to me. It would have been a lot easier. But do you see how how that makes a child feel, though, in the future? I know. That child remembers you. For the rest of their life. Yeah. Right. Right. And she does. It, it, you know, she, does. she's married, has a baby it, now. She she reaches out. Yeah. She will talk about you by the time she's 60. She will still talk about you, Frankie. True. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And that's what we need to remember. It, it's not for the accolades that we have. It's to be the difference so that they then can step it up for someone else. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Is you know it's just unfortunate that they that there's so much politics involved and not you know thoughtfulness involved and I think that's that's the main thing you know. Tell me how we can take it out. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, you know I, I I we started that in the government here. You know the red tape commission get rid of red tape and we need to get rid of red tape everywhere because it's just it it binds people. It stops progress. Stops goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We're going. It's the end of our show, and I got to say goodbye to Marielle McCarthy. I got to say goodbye to Gabrielle Von Ray, and I got to say goodbye to Fred. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> but I'm so glad that you all came to visit and play in our sandbox today. And thank you, everybody else who was listening. We appreciate you coming back each and every week. Take care, everybody. All right. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Frankie. Take care. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Gabriella. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Gabriella. It's <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Okay. Thanks, everybody. You take care. Thank you. Shit, are you shit one?